Turn the other cheek. Love your enemies. Pray for those who treat you badly. You can imagine the people listening. What? What did he just say? Doesn't he know how the world works? Yes. Yes, he knows exactly how much that's not the way that the world works. And that's why he wants to change it. But perhaps not in the way that you think. Hi, welcome to St Ninian's Church. I'm Stuart and I get to be the minister here. Thanks for choosing to join us today. Later in our time together, we'll be celebrating communion together. You are absolutely invited to join in that, and I hope that you will. You'll need some bread and wine or a suitable alternative, so you might want to pause and go and get that right now. You might also want to have a candle close by to light when we come to our time of prayer. Today, I'm joined by Blake and his mum Yvonne in leading our worship. Let's listen closely as Blake reads for us. Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 38. But to you who are listening, I say, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you in one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I wonder, when you hear these words about turning the other cheek and handing over your shirt as well as your coat, what do you hear? That we should be submissive and compliant? I wonder, when Jesus goes on to talk about loving your enemies and being merciful to people who do wrong, what do you think? That we should be soft and wishy-washy? I wonder when Jesus tells his followers not to condemn and to forgive, what do you feel in your heart? That he's asking the impossible? I wonder what you would think then if I was to suggest that this is a teaching about power. Not the lack of power, but the effective use of power. Surprised? Good. Let's dig a bit deeper and see what we can discover together. This passage is a continuation of last week's. It's more of Jesus' teaching, and he's been talking about blessings and woes. Or, as we found out, he's dismantling what I called the big lie, which comes in three parts. The three things Jesus was tempted by. Self-reliance is key. Power over others is the only real power. And we can all abdicate all responsibility and place all of the blame for all of the problems of the world and God. This is what comes next. Love your enemies. 
Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who ill-treat you. By all the standards of the world, this is a manifesto of madness. Why would we be kind to those who aren't? Why would we be compliant to those who are bullies? Why would we be submissive to those who use force? Those are absolutely legitimate questions. But by way of helping us to answer them, here are some other questions. Why do people hate and ill-treat others in the first place? Why would someone think that slapping you was an appropriate way to behave? Why would someone want to take your coat and your shirt and leave you naked and cold? The traditional answers to that question has been hit them back harder, exclude them, send them away. How's that working out though? Has anyone's life been improved by us taking that approach for centuries? I think we would all agree that these aren't ways of behaving that we aspire to. So what could we do to help change that behaviour? In the passage we tend to see our behaviour. We get stuck with what Jesus seems to be asking us to do. We know that it's hard and so we look for ways out. We hardly ever stop and consider why Jesus is suggesting this stuff. What difference would it make if we responded with compassion and restraint, love even, when people behave badly? Our response is far too often that if we did what Jesus suggests, we'd end up with two black eyes and nothing to wear. I'm about to talk about three people I've mentioned before. I hope that that will be met with a nod and a remembering that if you've heard me mention them before, you'll agree that they have something important to tell us and not the thought that I'm lazy and need to write a new sermon. Father Greg Boyle was sent to a parish in South Central LA in 1988. The police told him that he would be lucky to last a week and by last they meant survive because the gang violence there had become so bad. He did survive but it took a while before anything got better. In 1992, a thousand people died in gang-related killings in his parish, a parish that coincidentally bears his name, Boyle Heights. Father Greg set about his ministry in an unconventional manner. Instead of hiding and hoping to survive, he walked the streets of the neighbourhood and asked the people he met what their name was. He discovered very quickly that gang violence is about the lethal absence of hope. So he created Homeboy Industries. Greg explained, there's an idea that's taken root in the world that there might just be lives that are worth less than other lives. And Homeboy Industries stands against that idea. Everybody's equal. Everybody matters. Everybody counts. What we need in this world is a compassion that stands in awe of the burdens the poor have to carry rather than standing in judgement of the way that they carry them. Guess what the solution to that lack of hope is? Love. And consistency, a sense of meaning and purpose. Greg set up what has become Homeboy Industries, starting with a bakery and then a tattoo removal business to take the gang tattoos off of people. Homeboy Industries provides hope, training and support to formerly gang-involved and previously incarcerated people, allowing them to redirect their lives and become contributing members of the community. Each year, over 10,000 former gang members from across Los Angeles come through Homeboy Industries doors in an effort to make a positive change. They're welcomed into a community of mutual kinship, love 
and a wide variety of services ranging from tattoo removal to anger management and parenting classes. And Greg is still very much alive. But this isn't South Central LA. Scotland, and in particular the west coast of Scotland, has its own scars. The health count comes in communities not far from here and among the worst in Europe. Jimmy Reid diagnosed the cause in his masterful speech in his rectorial address at the University of Glasgow in 1972, just a few weeks after I was born. Alienation. Alienation is, he said, the cry of men who feel themselves the victims of blind economic forces beyond their control. It's the frustration of ordinary people excluded from the process of decision making. The feeling of despair and hopelessness that pervades people who feel, with justification, that they have no real say in shaping or determining their destinies. In his TED Talks, Sir Harry Burns, the former surgeon and chief medical officer, poses the question, what makes us well? His answer was not, as you might expect from a surgeon, the absence of disease. His discovery about why the west of Scotland has some of the poorest health outcomes in the world was startling. If the world of children is not comprehensible, manageable and meaningful, the brains develop differently. The hippocampus doesn't form the capacity to manage stress. And that means that every moment of every day is lived in a state of stress. And that impacts the rest of our lives, both physically and emotionally. It impacts our behaviour and our relationships. It impacts our life expectancy and the likelihood that we would end up in prison. Greg Boyle is right. So was Jimmy Reid and so is Harry Burns. And 2,000 years earlier, so was Jesus. There are many, many things that have to happen to help improve wellness. Tackling unemployment, poor housing, encouraging parents to read bedtime stories to their children and mothers to breastfeed. But guess what makes the biggest difference? Love and consistency. A sense of meaning and purpose. Belonging is the antidote to alienation. When children behave badly, we just exclude them from school. When adults behave badly, we exclude them from society. When those we're in a relationship with behave badly, our response is often to exclude them from our love. And let me be very, very clear here. I am not for one moment, and neither is Jesus before anyone asks, suggesting that people should just put up with violence and abuse of any kind. The challenge is for us as a community to think about how we deal with those who do wrong. As Greg says, this place stands for a higher degree of reverence for how complex human beings are. That indeed everybody is a whole lot more than the worst thing that they've ever done. And so we want to see each other as God does, with the highest, deepest reverence for that complexity. To see each other today and always with the truth of who we are. We are God's delight. And there's nothing you can do to alter that. The world has more than enough judgment. It has more than enough violence and exclusion and poverty and abuse. How do we change that? Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. At the start of this passage, Jesus says, for those of you who are still listening, because most people haven't made it past the blessing in woes, there is nothing easy about this. 
Far from it. It's much easier to tut and to blame and exclude and ignore. The harder thing to do is to try to engage, understand and commit to loving people even when they get things wrong and behave badly. Throughout, Jesus has been showing us what it means to transform the world and bring about the kingdom of God. He's given us example after example of what needs to happen. And his death is an example of what happens when that change is rejected. And still, love wins. Love wins. Always. Father Greg declares, All we all want is to be invited to a place of inclusion and acceptance, of healing and forgiveness, a place of refuge and kinship. This is that place, here around this table, here among these symbols, symbols that would 
tell a story of what was to come, of lies, humiliation, torture, mockery and denial, and execution. These are symbols of humanity's worst, symbols of the outcome of disaster and failure, symbols of what happens when violence and rejection, fear and hatred are allowed to take hold. This is his body, broken. This is his blood spilled out. But these things are more than that. These are not symbols of weakness. Their power is in their brokenness. Because their brokenness speaks to our brokenness. Their power is in their sacrifice. Because we all need someone to love us this much. Their power is in their invitation because we also desperately need to belong. This is that place where all are invited. A place of inclusion and acceptance, of healing and forgiveness, a place of refuge and kinship, a place where love wins. Here around this table, here, right here, here and now, among these symbols, these symbols of peace and justice, symbols of forgiveness and reconciliation, symbols of love and belonging. Here we meet Christ. God, we thank you today for gathering us around your table. We know we often don't get you. We often misinterpret you. And when things get tough, we run away. Yet you invite us here and sit with us. You make us part of your kingdom. You continue to reveal to us what it means to be your disciples today in these times of political turmoil, in these times of violence and unrest, in these times when we will pin our hopes on almost anything that promises false hope. In these times, O oh Lord, you remind us that your kingdom is already here. And you invite all who are weary, all who are hurting, all who are fearful, all who are running away, the displaced, the dispossessed, the refugee, victims of violence and war and earthquake and famine, those forced to abandon all that they have known and find no love in their neighbour. So God, as we share here, we bring with us all those who have been overlooked or rejected, all those who have been abandoned or exploited. We bring our neighbours and ask that you will show us how to be all that you created us to be. Your children who love God and share our freedom and abundance with all who do not look like us as well as those who do. God, at this table, confront and challenge, comfort and cajole, convict and and compel us to follow you into a world where we can sow peace and joy and hope in this season and every season. God, send your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these gifts we now share, so that we may be filled and we may go and feed the world. Amen. On the night before he died, Jesus took bread. He broke it and shared it, saying, This is my body broken for you. Do this to remember me. 
he took the cup, declaring a new relationship made possible with God for all. Even you and me. We share with those gathered here and with those who have gone before and with those who are yet to find their way to Christ's table. We do this to remember him. Lord, you have fed us the crumbs of hope. May we go and multiply your gifts, bringing hope to the world. Lord, you have given us the taste of new life. May we go and quench the thirst of all who long for justice. As you came to bring light into the world's darkness, may we shine brightly with that light that darkness cannot overcome and with love that cannot be snuffed out. May we be prepared to see your alternative kingdom come, disrupting the world's power and ushering in your peace and hope and joy in this place and this time for all your children throughout the world. Starting here, today, in Jesus' name. Lord of righteousness and faithfulness, today we have heard familiar words which challenge us in myriad ways, for myriad reasons. As we pray for others and indeed ourselves this day, we ask that you grant us the patience and forbearance that we may need as we seek to forgive, to love our enemies and to bless those who curse us. In a world where people in positions of power have shamelessly abused such power to the detriment of so many, help us to forgive as you forgive. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In a world where people create the means by which others lose their lives, their livelihood and much more, be it unjust policies, weapons, drugs or otherwise, help us to forgive as you forgive. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In our communities, where people go out of their way to damage property, intimidate the vulnerable and harm innocent citizens, help us to forgive as you forgive. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In our churches, where buildings tragically become more important than people, where competition obstructs cooperation and where maintenance is seen as more important than mission, help us to forgive as you forgive. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In our homes, where some never feel safe through abuse or harm of body, mind and soul, justice for the abused and harmed often seems impossible to find and amidst the complexity of such situations give us wisdom to know what is best. Help us to forgive as you forgive. Lord, in your mercy hear our prayer. Just imagine the difference if we always anticipated good. If we didn't assume the worst but expected the best, if we always gave the benefit of the doubt. And more, if that anticipation was returned, if our example inspired others to do likewise. 
a world without harsh judgment would be incredible as people flourish in a climate of hope. Experiencing love and forgiveness and anticipation of good. A world worth diving into with abandon. Faithful God, in all these situations, may there be justice. May those who have wronged be held accountable. May those who are negatively affected by the actions or decisions of others be helped and healed. May a pathway to forgiveness and restoration become clear. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer on the words that you taught us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Go now and do good. Do good to your friends. Do good to strangers. Do good to creation. Go now and enjoy the blessing and wonder of God, Creator, Source and Spirit, today and always. Amen.